0: Because sometimes you might be eating the healthiest of foods, but if your gut isn't healthy, your body's not able to fully absorb those nutrients. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, TV guest expert, and author. After self-hacking my mind and body to lose 30 pounds, I now help busy, overwhelmed women use stress as their superpower so that they can rise above it and become more calm, resilient, and physically fit. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. This is culinary nutritionist, Trudy Stone, and I'm so grateful that you tuned in with me today. So February, if you didn't know, is Black History Month. So to mark Black History Month as February, I thought it would be fun to share the benefits of some of the Caribbean's most popular foods, some of the foods that you know and love. The Caribbean has so much more to offer than just a warm and sunny vacation escape, which I wish I could kind of get away to right now, don't we all? Some of the foods in the Caribbean are just overflowing with an abundance of nutrients, minerals, and antioxidants, which makes them overlooked when we think about superfoods to boost our health. Also, to really fully appreciate the Caribbean signature dishes, you first have to understand its little-known history. So I'm also going to be sharing a bit of history as well of some of your favorite Caribbean foods. For centuries, many Caribbean islands actually were under European rule. Some of the most popular foods that have become synonymous with the Caribbean were actually introduced by countries such as Spain, France, and England. And the further evolution of the Caribbean cuisine was also undoubtedly influenced by the culture and culinary traditions of Africa, Asia, and India in the early 1800s. So these global influences combined with indigenous Caribbean ingredients and techniques really have played a role in defining the evolution of the modern Caribbean cuisine that we know and we love today. So the first one I want to talk about is breadfruit. I love me some breadfruit. It's also one of my mom's favorites as well for good reason. So my mom is Jamaican. And breadfruit is a staple in Jamaica. Um, And it's something that I look forward to as well. Whenever my mom goes to Jamaica, she typically goes to Jamaica every single winter. And when she comes back, she always brings back some breadfruit with her. Um, So breadfruit is a great source of complex carbohydrates, which help to manage your blood sugar. And you know, I'm all about managing that blood sugar. It really is the name of the game when it comes to, you know, not over, not only just overall health, but also helping to maintain your energy levels as well. So breadfruit is also a good source of fiber to keep you full in between meals, Um, also has stress-busting magnesium, calcium, and even omega-3. So, you know, the top way to make it, usually it just is to fry it. Um, I know some people bake it as well. Um, Typically, you roast it first and then you would fry it, right? Um, You can also find it in most ethnic or Caribbean markets if you ever wanted to check it out. So the history of breadfruit, it's a bit of a windy road. Um, So originally from present-day New Guinea, breadfruit has been cultivated for over 3,000 years and was introduced to the Western world by British explorers. So in 1769, Captain James Cook sailed to Tahiti discover breadfruit. So he recognized its potential as a food crop in other tropical areas and proposed to, I think it was King George III, that breadfruit plants be transported from Tahiti to the Caribbean to be used as a high energy nutritious food for British slaves. So in 1787, they started transporting the breadfruit from Tahiti to the Caribbean. But about a month in, the crew got a little bit anxious. You know, they, they ex- actually expelled the captain from the ship and they threw all of the plants overboard with him as well. So the ambitious captain who was thrown overboard, you know, he was a bit of a tough guy Um, and eventually he returned to Britain. So five years after the original voyage, he commissioned a second trip and it was on that journey that successfully introduced breadfruit to the West Indies. So there you can find some of the original trees that were planted over 200 years ago in Jamaica, still producing fruit. All right, so let's talk about plantains. This is another one that we know and love. So plantains are a staple food in the Caribbean and are known as, some people call them cooking bananas. Um, Similar to bananas, plantains also may help to boost your immune system. Um, They can also help with digestion and are also really rich in potassium with about 20% of your daily recommended amount. Um, So many Western diets include too much sodium and potassium is an electrolyte that can help to offset this and regulate your blood pressure, which is super important. So plantains also contain uh, about a fifth of the fiber recommended daily, which is key since fiber helps to improve your digestion um, as well as keeping you regular and keeping you full in between meals as well. So vitamin C, which I've talked about quite a bit, um, is also important for repairing tissues in your body and also for a healthy immune system. And plantains are a really great source of vitamin C, providing um, about 35% of the vitamin C needed per day. So getting the daily recommended amount of vitamin C is really important since your body can't store vitamin C or produce its own. So plantains are also really high in vitamin A, uh, vitamin B6, um, in addition to high levels of magnesium and iron. And iron is also another one that a lot of women are deficient in. So the history of plantains is a bit long, um, but it's believed to have originated in Southeast Asia. So I'm going to give you the Coles notes of the history here. Um, But plantains were thought to have been discovered um, as far back as 327 B.C. by Alexander the Great in the forests of Pakistan. Caribbean Jamaican plantains are thought to be native to India and are grown extensively in the tropics. So plantain plays an important role in Caribbean cuisine. Uh, It's used as a vegetable, it's used as a source of carbohydrates, and it's also used in desserts as well. I've seen some people actually cook it up with coconut milk too. Um, So plantain is also eaten, you can eat it boiled, baked, fried, or mashed um, in many parts of the world. Some people do that in Florida, um, Spain, Mexico. I think we have some listeners from Mexico here. Shout out to you guys. Uh, Portugal, Uh, Japan, Malaysia, and Brazil, just to mention a few places. So Caribbean plantains are sometimes confused with bananas um, to people who are not really used to them. So there's no doubt that Jamaican plantains and bananas are close relatives. However, the plantain actually contains a lot more starch. Next up, we have sea moss. And sea moss is also really getting popular these days. I'm seeing a lot of YouTube videos of people just making sea moss drinks and all that stuff. Uh, But sea moss is also known as Irish moss. And it's a type of seaweed that's made into a drink. And it has a lot of different nutrients. Um, So sea moss drinks are pretty popular throughout the islands of the Caribbean, uh, particularly in Jamaica and Trinidad. And they're often believed to improve strength, energy, and also sex drive. So sea moss is a rich source of a staggering amount of nutrients, including protein, magnesium, calcium, zinc, iron, vitamin C, and selenium, just to name a few. So the most important ingredient is produced by the moss itself. Um, It's an extract called carrageenan, which you might have heard of before. It's a natural thickener, and dairy producers often add it to yogurt and cottage cheese. I think sometimes it's even added to skin moisturizers as well. So CMOS has been shown to be beneficial for alleviating thyroid problems, in addition to indigestion caused by stomach and gastric problems, as well as constipation. It also may help with congestion from colds and the flu, um, as well as heavy metal detoxification. So you might have, you know, seen it talked about it on Instagram. There's been quite a few posts on Instagram about CMOS, you know, pretty much being a sex potion. And that's because it's really high in zinc, which has a strong impact on testosterone levels. So amazing for men's health. Um, and in some cases, sea moss has also been shown to improve the mental function and the um, prevention of age-related dementia. Confused about which foods to stock in your kitchen? My free Bare Essentials ebook is the ultimate grocery list for healthy eating success. In the ebook, you'll learn how to stock your kitchen, which removes the confusion about what's actually healthy. The ebook also contains healthy, delicious recipes so that you can put those ingredients into action and give your body the nutrient that it needs. You can grab it now at trudyestone.com forward slash pantry. There's also a link in the show notes for you to grab it. So adding high potassium foods like sea moss to your diet can significantly improve mental function. So high potassium foods may also be very helpful for symptoms of depression and anxiety since it's a great source of a range of B vitamins. And B vitamins, which you've heard me talk about here before in the podcast, are well known for reducing stress. And in fact, B vitamins are one of those nutrients that get burnt out during times of chronic stress. So Irish moss got its name when it was made famous during the potato famine in Ireland back in the 1800s. Um, And because people were starving and desperate for food, they began eating the red algae that was on the rocks. So as a result, the name stuck. So it was then brought back by Irish immigrants to Jamaica and the moss now appears on the island's rocks. Next up, we have cassava. Cassava is also known as yuca, and it's a starchy plant grown and eaten in the Caribbean as well as Africa and Latin America. It's gluten-free, it's grain-free, it's nut-free, and it's also a raw material that's used to produce tapioca. And Some of you guys might really like tapioca if you have like maybe bubble tea or anything like that, right? Uh, So the most often eaten part is the root. So when steamed and mashed, it actually makes a healthier starch alternative to potatoes and rice. So the reason why is because cassava is high in resistant starch, which is a type of starch that bypasses digestion, which feeds your beneficial gut bacteria, which may help to reduce inflammation and also promote digestive health. Having a healthy gut is also important for your body to assimilate the nutrients from the foods that you're eating. Because sometimes you might be eating the healthiest of foods, but if your gut isn't healthy, your body is not able to fully absorb those nutrients. Resistant starch also has the potential to improve blood sugar control, in addition to making you feel full, as well as reducing your appetite. So cassava is also a good source of vitamin C, A, and B vitamins. So just a side note, um, cassava can actually be dangerous if it's not properly prepared or if it's consumed raw since the skin actually contains cyanide, which at certain levels is toxic. So just want to make sure if you're using cassava that you're cooking it properly. Then we have okra and some people are a little bit split on okra. For me personally, I love the amount of nutrients that okra offers, but the taste is just not really something that I gravitate to uh, because it has a bit of a slimy texture and I just don't really do well with foods that, I don't know, maybe I'm alone here. I don't know if you can relate, but I don't really do well with foods that have that kind of slimy texture. I'm probably you know, completely turning you off of okra, but you know, listen up because it's actually a pretty nutritious, uh, pretty nutritious food. So okra is a nutritional powerhouse typically added to gumbos or stews. Okra is high in fiber, which helps to improve digestion as well as helping you to manage those cravings. It's also high in calcium, vitamin C, and folic acid. Folic acid is actually really great for uh, mental health as well. So some studies have actually suggested that okra may help to manage blood sugar in people with diabetes, and that's probably because of its high fiber content. So okra is a member of the mallow family related to cotton, hibiscus, and hollyhock. if you've heard of that before. So okra is believed to have originated somewhere around Ethiopia and was cultivated by the ancient Egyptians by the 12th century BC. Its cultivation spread throughout North Africa and the Middle East. So okra came to the Caribbean and the U.S. in the 1700s, most likely brought by slaves from West Africa and was introduced to Western Europe soon after. In Louisiana, the Creoles learned from slaves the use of okra um, to, you know, and gumbos to actually thicken soups. And it's now an essential part of Creole gumbo. I haven't been to New Orleans yet, but I definitely want to, you know, venture out there once the world kind of opens up. So hey, if you're from New Orleans, and you're listening to this, hit me up and let me know where I should be staying when I go to New Orleans, or, you know, uh, things I should be doing when I go out there. Um, But you know, the moment that Europeans brought in African slaves to the region, um, the Caribbean became the crossroads to the world. So the slaves' diet uh, mostly is full of the food that the slave owners didn't even want to eat. So the slaves had to be really inventive, um, and they blended their traditional African foods with staple foods found on the islands. So the Africans introduced uh, callaloo, if you've heard of callaloo before, that's a huge food in the Caribbean as well, um, fish cakes, saltfish, ackee, um, if you've heard of ackee and saltfish, um, pudding, and mangoes and okra. So today, most Caribbean island natives, they eat a diet that is of these main ingredients found in original African dishes like okra. So next up, we have sorrel, and this is our last one. So sorrel, you know, I have a bit of a a funky relationship with this one as well. Um, I didn't always like sorrel, but now I absolutely love it. So sorrel is known best as a rich red Jamaican punch or tea that's made from dried hibiscus flowers. However, it's also a nutritionally impressive green that's added to salads, soups, and sauces. So sorrel from the, is from the same family as rhubarb and buckwheat, and it has a really bright and tart flavor. So boasting high amounts of vitamin A and C, sorrel also boosts the body's immune system. It's also a really great remedy for improving canker sores, um, improving sinus infections, and reducing mucus. So sorrel provides other nutrients as well, including calcium, um, iron, and riboflavin. So you can find sorrel in ethnic or Caribbean markets. Um, You know, I buy it quite frequently now. Um, I usually used to drink it like around Christmas time. And, you know, even before I get to this, like sorrel has its origins in West Africa. And then it was brought back to the Caribbean. So in the Caribbean, sorrel became a Christmas time tradition, in part because of the Roselle hibiscus plant. Um, It used to only just be available during that time of year. So that's why, if you've ever heard of you know sorrel being you know uh, people drinking it at a Christmas time, that's the reason why, and that's kind of the history of that. So these days, however, the plant is cultivated year round, and sorrel is bottled. You can even buy it, just bottled, already made, um, and sold commercially, or you can just get the dried flowers. And this is what I do: just get the dried flowers from your local ethnic food store, and you can just make it yourself. So I'll just take, you know, the dried flowers, maybe a cup or two, you know, add some water, maybe about, you know, eight to 10 cups of water. I'll add a lot of ginger in there because I like mine to have a bit of a punch. Add a lot of ginger in there, um, maybe a couple cinnamon sticks, some star anise. Um, Yeah. And I'll just simmer that on the stove maybe for about 10 minutes. Uh, And then after I do that, I might add a sweetener to it. I might just do like a quick little simple syrup and add some sweetener to it. And it's an absolutely just delicious drink. And again, you can drink it any time of year. Um, I drink it cold, I don't drink it hot. I, I don't know if people drink it hot or not. But I love drinking it cold. Um, but again, it's such a nutritious drink. And it's just really great. And sometimes if I feel like I want to have a special drink, but I'm you know not wanting to drink wine, I might actually just drink sorrel. And sorrel just kind of, you know, helps me to replace that habit. And I remember when I talked about habits before, and I'll, I'll link that episode in the show notes below if you guys wanna refresher on that. But when it comes to you know changing your habits or breaking your bad habits, you need to look at replacing those bad habits instead of just trying to break them all together. So again, just going back to sorrel, like that's one of the things that I use to replace the wine habit, right? As sorrel, um, kombucha is another great one as well. Um, sometimes I'll just do some sparkling water too. So that is the history of Caribbean Superfoods. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I would love to hear how you're celebrating Black History Month. So come on over to Instagram uh, and let me know. Um, I am Trudy E. Stone over at Instagram. I'll also link my Instagram handle in the show notes uh, below and let me know how you're planning on celebrating Black History Month.